So, okay, I've got a totally different and unrelated question. No worries, no worries. Okay, so... Do you keep pets? Like, because obviously you can't have, like, cats underwater, but, like... like, A sea otter? A sea otter, or, like, fish? Oh, maybe, like, (laughs) you're hanging out with, like, a flounder and, like, a crab? Oh, that'd be interesting. Well, we think. Well, we don't typically have, like, well, as you said, we don't have cats or dogs or, um... uh, What are those weird... Birds that you keep the pigeons? We are pigeons. No, those aren't real. Rebecca? No, you can't just come in like that. Come on. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you're coming in way too hot here. Okay, this is an OOC episode. You gotta be cool about it. Hello, my name is Steve. And my name's Rebecca. Oh, yeah, there we go. We got that on that one. No, joining, well, let's t- <laughs> joining us today is Megan Caldwell. Meg, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Meg. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a long while since I've been on, oh, any kind of vocal media. <laughs> oh, we are glad to have you back. The way that sounds is you just don't ever talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hmm. I mean, people know, you see, the funny thing is, is that I talk way too much. It's um. just been a long time since I've been on, like, I used to do some like Twitch streaming with uh, with some friends of mine. Uh, we were never very popular, but we were having fun together, and that's kind of what matters. That is what that's matters. all we do, and it seems to be all right for us because yeah. well, you know, as long as you're enjoying yourself, that's all that matters. Uh, so let's start with the fun stuff. I know you, or I met you on the Eberron Discord, and you recently put out a super cool supplement for D&D 5th Edition on DMs Guild. The... Oh, really? You're gonna draw a blank? Don't look at me like like you're gonna get it from... I'm going to drink water and you're trying to steal an answer out of my brain. I'm really sorry. Uh, yeah, the Thundersea Merfolk Report. Yep, that's correct. Um... I honestly was never really expecting to make it, to be honest. Um, So for those of you who are not super familiar with uh, my timeline into the wonders that is the Eberron Discord, um, I joined uh, Keith's Patreon as a threshold uh, backer and suddenly found myself yeeted into the Discord, (laughs) Eberron Discord server with no explanation. And for a solid four hours, I was just looking at my phone, going, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and um, the, the Aberron Discord server was the largest server I, I had ever 
joined? I don't really think joined is the right word, but... Um, Man, I, I think that seems to be like a common theme because we did that to our baggers as well. We're just like, you're going in, enjoy. <laughs> well, uh, uh, Patreon doesn't give you a like a choice. The moment somebody uh, adds like Discord privileges, oh, really, I didn't it just that. yeets them into oh, it. That's fun. That is yeah. a fun time. It, it, oh, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a wild like four hours before I just settled in the reality of, I guess I'm just in a Discord server now. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, but um, I grew to really, lo really love the place, love the people there. Um, and I started doing some daily creations of, like, merfolk character ideas because I am very clearly a mermaid. Very clearly. Very clear. Um, very. And I was like, well, I like merfolk and, you know, Exploring Aberon had recently come out, so I was like, yeah, I'll make some merfolk character ideas, and then I just kept making them. People were like, you should run this into a product on DM's Guild, and I was like, ha, lol. And then I kept doing them, and people were like, you should really turn this into a product on DM's Guild, and I'm like, but I don't have the time. And then I turned it into a product on DM's Guild. Yeah. Man, I, I like how that started with, I kind of like Keith Baker. I'll back him on a thing, too. I'm now producing content never on. It's a scam. <laughs> I'm telling you, he has it's, set up a scam to get as many people to put in content for Eberron as possible. And he's just bringing us together. It's the Eberron pyramid scheme. It, it, it might it be. It really is. Oh, my it, God. It, I didn't... it really is. Eberron's a secret MLM. <laughs> 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 but yeah, the Thundersea Merfolk Report is um, it's a player-facing supplement uh, for the Merfolk of the Thundersea. Who would have guessed from the title? No one, absolutely no one. Oh um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I thought it, I thought Merfolk were writing reports. I didn't realize that it was yeah, about yeah, Merfolk. Yeah. I was very disappointed. I thought it was like a book report, and it was not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It's not, it's not a book report, but it contains. Uh, it basically is meant to answer the question of why are you on land? Because for a character who is from the ocean or the seas or anywhere aquatic, going on land kind of has to be the forefront question you ask yourself because the land world sucks. It does. It's, dr it's, it's dry and it's full of capitalism and it's <laughs> people eating weird food. And wearing shoes? You have to wear shoes? Gross. Gross. Hate it. Disgusting. And the Thundersea Merfolk Report basically is just chock full of character ideas to explain both where you may have come from culturally, but also reasons for you to leave, whether that's a divine mission or exile or personal goals or... You know, you happen to have a quarry in your head now because you found a docent at the bottom of the ocean. And turns out that merfolk aren't very good at making new containers for quarry. Who would have guessed? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So I really like the uh, supplement. I really enjoyed the addition of a completely different type of merfolk and the little history that you put in there. It, it's all very good. I really, I was surprised at, like, the level of detail just right off the bat. I was like, oh my god, there's so much in here. And it just, it comes across very well. I didn't go too much into the backgrounds for the different characters. Uh, I just went, Bard, that's the only one I care about. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, that's fair. Uh, there's lots of bards. <laughs> I, I I went the deepest the deepest dive on uh, the druids just because the the Calamare druids really spoke to me for whatever reason. Um, probably because I played a druid for many many, well not many years but many months, many many months, and um, I wanted to explore how the different circles would work in a very wet environment. How did you get your start with uh, tabletop RPGs? Um, where did oh, hang that on. Let's, all... I'm, I'm still talking about the sub, supplement. Let's not jump. Let's not. There was I a thought... long pause. Because I was clearing my throat. <laughs> <laughs> so I really enjoy that. And I really enjoy like the barter system that you've put in for the Marfog itself. And I, I, there's just so much in there. Now in your games. So I'm sorry. Hang on. Let, let me back up and or start that with a different way. So I, I know that Keith has, in his world, originally created a place called Stillwater, which is a district where Merfolk and Sawagan would all trade, and it was actually partially flooded. Do in you have that? I'm sorry, in Charn. Yes, you're right. Uh, do you have something like that in your worlds when you're doing it? Uh, is this something that you've thought about for your games expanding more on what it is to be Merfolk elsewhere? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I will say, um, I've mostly been a player in other non-Eberron settings, and Eberron I'm typically a DM. I haven't actually covered Merfolk very much as a DM, just because I've all usually been focused in other areas of Eberron that caught my interest, uh, the Dreaming Dart, Sarlona, the Quarry. But as a player, I've actually played a Merfolk PC. Um, it was for really? a, a short-run camp. Oh yeah, I was for a very short run campaign. Um, unfortunately, it kind of fell apart. You know, life happens. But I was playing a merfolk rogue, and the idea behind her character is that she was a she was kind of a guard for this gigantic underwater city of merfolk and sirens, and they had been isolationist for a very very long time. And the idea was that she was kind of the first merfolk to willingly go out into the world and go out into this island chain, uh, similar to the, to the Lazar principalities in a lot of ways. But the idea was that she was going there partially as a form of exile because the city elders had effectively reasoned that she was not going to fit well in with this structure and she needed to do something else. And she kind of understood that she had done things that would not really mesh with the, you know, the rest of the population. And I think a lot of that gave me ideas about how merfolk interact with the world of D&D, with the idea that a lot of times they are outsiders. They are not necessarily super integrated in a lot of land cultures for a variety of reasons. I mean, in our own, our own world, uh, merfolk have various reputations sometimes you know, they're leading men to their doom. Sometimes, uh, if you can find a merfolk and eat its skin or its heart, you will become immortal, depending on, you know, the mythology you're worth working from. Well, I didn't realize that, uh, I have something to do after this. We're done. I'm gonna go get a... <laughs> <laughs> um, and I imagine but... I would eat the heart and be like, oh, but I have to eat the skin too. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no, I'm kind of full now. Gross. Yeah, it's kind of gross, but that whole idea of the merfolk as creatures who aren't necessarily going to be super integrated with land cultures, 
I think that was kind of the approach that I took with the Thundersea Merfolk report was the idea that because Keith and the team from KB Presents kind of made the Merfolk of the Thundersea as they are people of the sea. They are people who are neutral parties of the sea because they don't want to get themselves involved with the politics of the Eternal Dominion or the Valerian Protectorate. Or Corvair, for that matter. <laughs> Which, you know, I can't blame them. The politics of Corvair suck. <laughs> that is very true. The second you side for one nation in Corvair, you're fucked. <laughs> like, you, all right, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're involved now. You're part of the war. You're part of the war. And I, and I definitely was approaching the Merfolk of the Thundersea at, from the perspective of if they... For, for the Merfolk who do care about the people of Corvair, for the Merfolk who do frequent the coastlines, it's a very personal kind of relationship. It's like small fishing villages or like the docks of Sharn. It's not super integrated much beyond that. And it's a very personal pod to village kind of relationship so I, I also enjoyed the fact that you made them scavengers and that seems to be their entire society basis is that they scavenge as opposed to creating which I think is very different because a lot of times when you see merfolk they tend to have their own creations but now they're all stuck wearing our old armor that has been lost and I, I like that I think that's a very interesting take yeah, I, uh, one of our, our friends on the uh, Discord server, I believe they joked something along the lines of, it would be really cool to be playing a, like, a, a Tailmare pal Paladin, someone who has been blessed by the Silver Flame, and is wearing a mishmash of, of Dakani armor, carrying a Kulsir Focus, and uh, <laughs> their, their, their cape was taken off of a Lyrandar ship. <laughs> and, and... <laughs> I, I was going to say, little details like that, it just makes it feel like a much different race than what you would normally encounter with Merfolk. Where I feel like, again, they would all be wearing, like, sea-based armor, and they're all wielding tridents. And no, no, they're stuck with all the, the refuse and stuff like this. But th then it also makes us be like, oh shit, man, we're dropping all this stuff in the ocean. Maybe we should not. It's a little yeah, trash it's, it's very... It, yeah, trash mates. It's, it, it's very much... I wanted to approach the idea of, like, because... Again, from exploring Eberron, the idea is that the Calamare don't really make a lot of their own things. And I took that idea and I was like, well, what if they don't need to? With the idea that there's... Because Corvair, in, I think just in general, the Eberron setting, there's just so much history and so much things that have been lost over time. It kind of makes you wonder just how much of that ended up at the bottom of the sea. Because it's very easy to find, you know, troves of old Dakani weapons in, like, mountain places or underground. It makes sense to me that at least some of it would end up also in the ocean. And if it's there, it might as well get used by someone who's going to use it. it I, I don't disagree with that. I think that also having your players have to, you know, approach uh, the system with barter intent instead of money. Because normally everyone's like, oh, okay. I've got gold, I'll just buy my way through. Uh, but now they actually have to trade for things? I think that's a, another fun little thing to put in there. I really like the fact that it feels like there is more depth and layer to the oceans of Eberron at this point. Especially with the addition of this supplement, because 
Originally 3-5 back in the day, there were so many different types of underwater creatures. It was ridiculous, like the uh, Avanti that are felon. There was quite a variety of them, and I feel like, unfortunately, 5th edition has kind of like pittered out for the seas, and it doesn't feel like there's really much going on there. And then when Keith put out Exploring Eberron, I was like, good, oh, that's nice to see more slowly coming up. But man, I would love to feel like the seas were alive and the seas were their own thing. And this really does help add to that. I really cannot stress enough how even though it's focused on players coming to land, it adds another layer to what's going on underneath the surface. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely my intention in a lot of ways. I want it to be player-facing because I think in a lot of ways making it player-facing helps approach players from the idea of you can be from the seas of Eberron. You can play an underwater character even if it means you're going on land. But I also do mention the supplement, you can use these ideas if you'd rather just do an entirely underwater campaign. The Calamare Druids and the Stormcallers, the Tailmare Light Piercers and Abyss Watchers who are protecting the depths of the trenches and making sure that terrible, awful fiends don't come out of them. Uh, you could play a Siren who's in integral in maintaining diplomatic relations between all manner of underwater creatures. Ultimately, the the book is very player-facing, but it is meant to make the seas of Eberron feel very alive from the perspective of its merfolk. I definitely think it does. I, I, I again, I... I'm not, you did really good yeah. with the supplement. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Everyone who's listening uh, to this, this episode should go to DM's Guild and purchase the supplement right now. Absolutely. I, I can't agree with that more. Yeah. Maybe uh, we can convince Meg to do like a, a Sawagan report next. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> on something a little different right now. <laughs> oh, what, what do you got? Not... Hurts. Oh, you get something oh, similar. Oh, um, well, I do have some more Merfolk stuff coming next oh, year. Good, um, yes. I, I'm, I'm going to hopefully release it during uh, Mermaid because when else would you release it? That exactly. is a solid oh. argument. Um,. And it's going to be focused on changeling merfolk. Oh my goodness, what? So remember how I said earlier that I would actually played a merfolk PC? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. she, was, she was effectively a changeling merfolk. Man, see, this is all That's the- so cool! There's so many things that you would just never think of, and I'm so glad that other people do, because I'm like, oh my god, that's wonderful. Yeah, no, having yeah. that in the game. Yeah, the idea is that she was a very specific strand of merfolk, because um, in that world, merfolk could go on land and take human forms, but it would it would only last for about maybe about an hour. Whereas this very specific subrace that she was uh, allowed her to go on land as if she was just another person. And I'm going to be going on that theme and making a supplement for um, what I have dubbed uh, thanks to to our, to our good friend Nova on the Discord server uh, Tidelings. Oh. Changelings of, uh, the Changelings of the Sea. It will be more setting neutral as opposed to the, the Thunder Sea Merfolk report. That, that, that is a smart call. Get out of Eberron while you can. You, you went too hard into <laughs> it. Gotta leave. <laughs> That being said, I am going to be very strongly hinting in the report, in, in, well, in the, in the supplement for the Changeling Merfolk, that if you wanted to use them in the Eberron setting, 
Um, I would personally put them with the Grey Tide out in the Lazar Principalities, making them essentially the sea cavalry of the Changeling uh, Armada. Oh, that is a that is a nice one. There's a lot uh, up in the North Seas that they really don't have much. Like I was like, a Scion Sound would be nice to see some sort of underwater aquatic race living there. It just feels very. Uh, like, it feels very empty, and I'm really glad to see that we're getting more. I'm really glad to see that just little sprinkles is all I need, uh, and it makes the world feel a lot more alive and a lot more realistic. Well, happy to help. So, Meg, <laughs> um, how did you get your start in uh, tabletop RPGs? Oh, gosh. My sophomore year of high school, I want to say. Mm -hmm. Um... A friend of mine invited me to play a Pathfinder uh, Kingmaker game. Um, and I had been interested in getting into D&D for a bit, and we played two sessions, and then we fell into the trap of it's uh, summer, and we are high school students who do not have cars. So it ended there. <laughs> <laughs> but once I got to college, I and met some people through another internet community, uh, which would take way too much time to get into. But I met some people through there, and I end up getting into a game or two through them for getting into my, my first campaign, where I played a half-elven uh, storm sorcerer, and then beyond that, into the first campaign and group that I play with now. Around probably halfway through actually becoming like a regular player of D&D, I actually am one of the very few people who was lucky to have a weekly game. Uh, I don't know how the scheduling gods have blessed me with that, but you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> uh, you're the only one who's gotten it. Yeah, around the time that I have been playing regularly in D&D for a while, I decided to run some D&D games with a friend of mine where we bastardized 5e and attempt to run, run Lord of the Rings in it. It was an interesting experiment. I really enjoyed the characters that came out of it. It was kind of like a West Marches style campaign. We were never able to finish it due to both of us quickly approaching our uh, upper college years, which are not good for trying to keep anything consistent. No. No. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. And it's around that time where Oh, I want to say it was probably when Wayfinders came out mm -hmm. that I started uh, getting into the Eberron setting. Because before that, I had only really dipped my toes into, you know, the Forgotten Realms. I'd been mostly done a lot of homebrew games. But Eberron was the very first setting that really captured my imagination, I would dare say. And then, you know, I joined Keith's Patreon and got and at the rest if you've already heard that <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's really interesting you're one of the the younger people we've had on yeah you don't don't say I'm, it like uh... that it makes me immediately turn to dust please don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i am i am i'm only 22 how old is joseph I think she's she's the youngest. Oh my goodness. Anyway, reg regardless of age, like I I found that a lot of people who get into D&D &D pretty young stick with it, which is really cool. 
One of the things that I really like about 5th edition that I didn't initially realize that has just come to me very recently is the ability to just crack the shit out of it and then mm -hmm. run whatever you want in it. Yeah. It, it. Because it is so oh, yeah. easy on the rules and easy on things like that, it is very easy to just... And, and 3.5, you couldn't do that. 3.5, no. you had to figure out oh, a billion no. fucking oh, mechanics no. in order to run it normally. So to break it, it was, it was much more time intensive. And I, I think that might be something that I need to reconsider about 5e is that things that i want to run terrible games in maybe maybe i should run it in 5e instead of yeah. 3 i will have to yeah. look into this this is a this is a exciting find in my head <laughs> yeah um i wouldn't recommend doing what we did though i probably should have just gotten those expensive lord of the rings conversions that they made for 5e we just decided well, we'll make our own and then we just watched as it slowly crashed and burned, but it, it was a, it was a spectacular crash and burn. So I think we were okay with it. Watching a train crash in slow motion, you know. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so Pathfinder D and D Fifth Edition. Have you played any other tabletop RPGs? Uh, for a little bit, I was running a small magical girl esque campaign through the system Glitterhearts. Um, it. I eventually found that it wasn't for me. Um, I didn't particularly enjoy every aspect of it, but there were very much parts that I did enjoy about the system, and I would recommend people check it out if they're interested. Um, it very much allows you to go into that over-the-top anime sparkly style if you want it to. I le I leaned more into like tropes of like ghosts and spirits and things like that because I like necromancy. It's one of the things that you don't immediately think, ah oh, yes, the mer the mermaid girl likes necromancers. No, I very much do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I did a little bit of that. I haven't explored as many other tabletop uh, games as I would have liked. Mostly just due to time constraints, because being in college does not facilitate having a lot of time. <laughs> no, it really doesn't, as someone who is relatively recent out of college as well. Yeah, it's... Um, there's systems I would certainly love to try someday. Have you heard of our lord and savior Jane Austen and the Good Society RPG? Every time, every <laughs> time we do an interview, we end up talking about. The, I don't understand why, Rebecca. You have a real problem. Okay, uh, there's no need to mention the Good Society RPG every single time. But have you heard of Paranoia? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I've heard things about a good society, certainly. Um, definitely just I've... me spewing. <laughs> definitely. Well, yeah. Yeah. But, um, it definitely does sound very fun. There are definitely systems I would love to try someday. Maybe, I mean, if, if you want me to play, I will see if I can carve out a minuscule amount of time. The answer is probably not, because I'm going into grad school. And, uh, oh, no. oh no! Don't do that. I mean, do do that. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe one yeah, day. No, um, maybe maybe one day. I I definitely think that the world of tabletop role playing games is made better by the diversity in it. I love seeing different people's takes on how to run, even just. Eberron in different settings. I think it's really fun to see people taking different approaches and 
I'd love to play it someday. Um, I have a I have an IOU for from a friend who is going to yoink me into Savage Worlds when I finally have the time. Eventually. And um, eventually, eventually, <laughs> very much the eventually. But uh, yeah, it's something I've not had the opportunity to explore, but I would love to someday. We're gonna have to just slowly introduce everyone. To, we, we, you and I have to stop. We need to stop. I think uh, more may, monsters. Maybe we need to do other games. I wanted to do the the wrestling game in Eberron, so maybe I should yeah, try that, and you should do that. something else too. Yeah. That way we have something new to talk about on these OCs <laughs> instead of just them being the same cycle of nonsense. Um, why don't you ask the the next question we typically go for? Our normal, everyday, regular, run of the mill. The question? Okay, yeah. of course. Uh, so, Meg, we introduced, as you may or may not know, I don't know if you listen to the Echoers. Uh, if not, good for you. I'm so glad. Stay away. Don't. <laughs> we'll add you into our Discord, too. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, we invented uh, the radio in Eberron. If you could introduce one thing into your game, what would it be? Oh, boy. That's a question. And I believe it is. I let me double. Yes, in fact, it is a question. See, I'm a monster because I it, meant to send her all of these last night, but I didn't. It's, why why it's, do you never send okay. these when we do OCs? Okay. These are normal questions that we do every time. You always, need to send them. I always forget. I would probably say, um, if I had to add something to my games. Um, well, I mean, changeling merfolk, merfolk in general, that's, that's the easy answer. <laughs> um, that's, that's the very easy answer. Um, if I was to actually say something, though, I've always had this, well, not always, but I've had more of an inkling as time goes on, because one of my favorite things with Eberron is, in fact, the continent of Sarlona. I love just everything that Sarlona offers, and I love the intrigue and the, the the struggle between dreams and nightmares, and I think it's... I just like Kalistar. <laughs> but, um... I've always... I've been thinking about trying to see what... L l let me start that over. <laughs> I think the thing I enjoy most about Adar beyond the fact that it's, you know, this place full of Kalistar and monasteries and this refuge away from the horrors of, of Riedra, is the fact that, like the rest of Sarlona, it's pocketed with these giant wild zones, these giant, like, holes in reality that where the planes bleed through. And I've been interested in exploring what that would mean for its people. And... If I had to add anything into, into Eberron beyond what I'm already doing, it would probably be exploring Adar as a place that uses the planes of Eberron even more so than how, like, Corvair uses them. Where, like, you have, you use, like, wild zones of Kaithri to rapidly introduce, like, genetic changes or mutations into, like, plants. Oh, wow. And, and then, and then once you have a strain that you know will succeed, you transfer it to a Lamanian wild zone and just watch it go. And suddenly you have, in a week, enough food to feed your village for the entire season. 
Huh, and wow, just, yeah, and, no, the, that, that is, wow, that is a damn good answer. Yeah, I, 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 I like the idea of Adar being this place of, like, we are stuck here. You're stuck here in this place that has these incredibly powerful zones. We can't really go anywhere. We have to do with what we ha what we can. Let's let's exploit that fact. Let's use that fact because we have another choice. Yeah, because I was gonna say I can like <laughs> Corvette. They'd be like, "Oh, okay, uh, we're gonna use that for a specific house, or we're gonna buy that for a specific nation, and it's ours now." And I mean, the the, the open communities of Atar might be real enjoyable. To, oh man, that's a really good idea. That is a really good idea. Now I've got my brain percolating. <laughs> so my next question for you, Meg, uh, mm -hmm. is if you could have any spell from Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder, I'll extend it, um, what would that spell be? A spell that you can cast. In real life. In real life. Yeah. A spell I could cast in real life. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've played a lot of spellcasters. Give me a moment to think. <laughs> I've played a lot of magic users. The boring answer is prestidigitation. I would yep. really like to never have to do laundry again. No, see, I, uh, St Steve argued that the, the best answer was prestidigitation because you could just live your life uh, through through constant change you'd be able to change your clothing you'd be able to clean mm -hmm. everything you'd never have to spend money on much you could make food yep. taste good like he he really went all out i hadn't thought of all the uses of prestidigitation in the real everyday world and uh yeah so i mean I, I don't know if that's the boring answer i i, I don't know I, I don't know if it's a boring answer but it's i definitely think that's why i like prestidigitation it's a very just useful spell just like being a person that that's very true it, it does cover a lot of the basics of um, living for for something a little more interesting and maybe more connected to what i uh do beyond just you know make merfolk for the eberron setting i'd actually be relatively interested in in druidcraft mostly because that if it actually worked i wouldn't have I wouldn't have a job, but it would make things so much easier. Um, because I um, actually am studying uh, meteorology. Ooh. And the druidcraft spell predicts the weather for the next day. Yeah, that would make it a little easier. I, it, would, it would make it make it easier, if, if, but not, maybe not entirely obsolete. I was going to say, I, I imagine that druidcraft is probably not that common in Corvair. Now that I'm like thinking, you, you probably wouldn't need to know the weather if you have people who could just change the weather on a dime. Yeah, that that is <laughs> one of the benefits of having, you know, the storm spire just down the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, just yeah, knowing ahead of time what well, the weather would be, that'd be great. Because let me even... tell you, I was told I was going to be swimming this week, and uh, it, it was supposed to rain today, and it is 90 degrees, so I think maybe I got lied to. Well, I think more than that, like with Druidcraft, you also get, like, you can make plants grow better. So, like, throw a bunch of onions and potatoes in my yard, snap my fingers... Bam. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest here. I've never played a druid. Really? I'm, yeah, I've never played. Like I had a really? druid character at level one in a three point five game, and I was like, I absolutely hate all of this. 
Mm, I never gotcha. want to do this again. And I have not touched a druid since. Uh, yeah, no. You know, the, you know that's that, that's fair. Um, I actually the 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 character I first finished a campaign with uh, was a druid. Really? So, uh, th- yeah, th- they they have a special place in my heart. <laughs> so my first campaign was a monk, and my second was a rogue. And it took me a while to be comfortable playing a spellcaster because I played several in between there, and I absolutely hated them. It wasn't until I found uh, in uh, Unearthed Arcana the spell point system that that made the difference for me, being able to use spell points mm-hmm. instead of spell slots. Uh, and, and that's when I was like, oh yeah, no, I'll play the shit out of a wizard now. Uh, I don't know why spell slots just break my brain. I was the uh, crazy person who started out D&D being like, yep, I'll play spellcasters. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to do that, but like the, the first the first time I played, I played a wizard. The next time I played, I was a bard. The next time I played, which was the first actual campaign I was in, I was a sorcerer. And then the longest form campaign I've been in so far, I was a druid, and now I'm playing a monk. <laughs> My goodness, you yeah, know, that is that is that is a lot there. Oh my yeah. goodness. It's a lot of spellcasting. That's a lot of spellcasting, <laughs> I was gonna say. Spell I've done a lot of clerics, I will say that. Three five I hit clerics and then Pathfinder I did cleric like cleric became my go to, not because I wanted it to, but because I was like, Well, I'll fill out the team. And uh but I think I've hit my stride and found bards, and bards are my new favorite love in the whole wide world. Because I'd never played a bard really before either. I played like kind of one or two in three five, but then Pathfinder, I was like all bards all the way. You, you know that's fair. Um, I will say though, Druid isn't my favorite class. No, what's your favorite? Rogue. No, yeah, I think Rogue's Rogue's the best. <laughs> Let's be honest. Rogue, yeah, I <laughs> I so in so I've played like you know a handful of one shots or you know a handful of rogues here and there. I've concepted about maybe like six different ideas for a robe. I played three of them. <laughs> we'll get the other three, I've... and we'll, we'll we'll make sure you have that. Oh yeah, well I I'll get to play more robes at some point. I just I love being a little sneaky bastard. I when I play a rogue, I cause problems on purpose. I become I become the horrible goose. I must cause problems on purpose. See, I do that when I'm like a caster most of the time. <laughs> and when I'm a rogue, I'm like, I'm just going to be grumpy in the corner and that'll be it. And But then as soon as I'm like a wizard, I'm like, I hate everyone and I'm going to cast spells to make their lives miserable. Oh, what's that? I'm going to do a minor illusion and that's you giving a finger to the god. Enjoy. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about inter-party conflict. At one point in time, I took my, my wizard character and I spent all of my gold that we had at that point in time uh, and I made up these illusion papers that showed what one of our friends looked like and I paid every brothel in the area money so that way anyone who worked there, if they saw him to say, welcome back, uh, Mr. Mountainstrom, and he'd never been to them. I, I just was convincing him that he'd been blackout drunk going to brothels over and over again. <laughs> The player has no idea. It's because he was rude to me. And he was like, you're my best friend. You're going to be in my wedding. And I was like, we we are not that kind of friend. You have been rude this whole time. And you just suddenly told us all after 10 years that you're going to marry a woman who you haven't seen in a decade. Yeah, all of this is nonsense. I'm calling you bullshit out right here. (laughs) 
and it was really fun. Uh, but he never caught, like we didn't get very far with it. And I, he, I don't think he listens to the podcast. I don't think I'm I'm, I'm spoiling anything no, in case we do go back. But no, yeah, that was my that was my crowning achievement. But when we would play, I would say, "Hey, you and I are going to act as foils. You and I are going to act as best friends this section. You and I are going to act as antagonists this section, and go through different things where." So anytime he would try and achieve something, I would knock him down. Anytime he would try and achieve, I would try and achieve something, he would knock me down. And then I had a player who, anytime there was a decision, she and I would go on opposite sides of it. And then I had someone who I followed regardless because they were the voice of reason. I, I like discussing those ahead of time. That way I know who is what to me and how I can play off those dynamics. That's really smart. Yeah, it was the only time I've done that, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, normally yeah, that's also fair. Normally, he just is is an asshole without telling anybody. That's beforehand. true. That is that is solidly true. I've, done I've definitely okay. done that uh, in a bad couple player. of games. I'm not a bad player. Bad I mean, person. bad, definitely a bad person. Um, <laughs> so, um, on oh yeah, back on track. On the topic of merfolk and the such. I've got a I've got a fun question. Another on the spot I should have messaged you about last night questions. Oh well, that's fine. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, you're you're going through them <laughs> like a champ. What what is your favorite mermaid slash siren slash selkie slash water people mythology from the real world? The real world, ah, uh. mm -hmm. like a folk tale. Your favorite. Story, what have you? The Little Mermaid, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever. I like, I, I noticed your Little Mermaid references in there, so that was nice. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Um, I would probably have to say I really like Selkies. I like, I like the myth of the Selkie, and also like how people in modern times are like using the idea of the Selkies, you know, with, with their pelt and how people are now kind of transforming it from, you know, fishermen who would who would keep these pelts and so they could have this beautiful wife that was bound to them and then turning into kind of like a, no, this is a symbol of trust and love. And I kind of like seeing how, like, mythology shifts over time to kind of reflect that. Hmm, that, that is very in, in, interesting. In going from, like, this symbol of, like, like a, a creature that people want to have, but feel like they need to keep them close, otherwise they'll run away. To the, the symbol of, you are a person I choose to be with. I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit of a romantic at heart. I really like that. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I think that's a very interesting take on that. I hadn't realized that, like. Now thinking back, there's a lot of media where that is the case. Uh, I know that there's some where they still try and do that. Like uh, just saw that with the bear in Disenchanted, where they. He, he, but I, I do like the romantic aspect of that of them giving that part up. That that is a nice one. So Meg, where can people find you on the social medias, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, if they want to uh, follow you, check out more of your work, etc.? She said the Eberron Discord. That's where she. <laughs> <laughs> um i am uh primarily yeah no that's actually correct i'm primarily on the Everon discord um under the handle uh sunev um s-u-n-e-v um on twitter and tumblr i am that sunev with an i-a-l at the end sunevial um otherwise on dm's guild um megan caldwell 
Uh, and I don't have anything else because uh, you, the day I get a Reddit is the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. With, it took me such a long time to finally join and I did it and I was like, I hate this and I haven't been back since. I did a couple of, hey, I'd really like people to draw Kevin and that was it. We, we have one only so that we can like blast all of our stuff all over Reddit. Just be like, listen to our podcast. Yeah, listen right now <laughs> to this wonderful podcast. You're listening right now. You're doing it. You're doing great. I'm proud of you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's where I'm at. I I never thought I'd have a social media presence because as, as a teenager, I was like, social media is dumb. And teenage me was right. It's true. However, <laughs> I have it now. <laughs> so, uh... If, if, if you want to follow me on actual social medias, go ahead. Otherwise, I'm usually in the Eberron Discord. Um, ping me for mermaids. I like mermaids. And then, of course, uh, you can find her work on the DMs Guild. She said that already. Well, I'm just putting that in again. I, I don't know. I missed it. <laughs> I, I apologize. All right. Well, thank you so the much. The heat is making me black out. I'm not, yeah, I'm not really so paying warm. attention yet. Sharn is a miserable city right now. <laughs> Thank you. Everything is so bad. It's so hot. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, genuinely, this has been great. I love talking to you. You're so amazing. Thank you for bringing out the supplement because yeah. again, it really helped add to the world of Eberron in a substantial way, and I'm really excited to see what more people do from that uh, the par as part of the pyramid scheme. You've got to lure one person in and then get them to create a supplement. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Duly noted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. I love your faces. Bye. Say bye, Meg. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. She didn't say bye. Take care. Damn, Meg. Not saying bye. And she said take care. Goodbye. <laughs> that works. That works. <laughs> Goodbye.